0: The sun has left and forgotten me. It's dark, I cannot Your stories see. don't define you, but how you tell them will. Hi, I'm your host, Sarah Elkins. I call myself the Chief Storymaker at Elkins Consulting. And just a quick reminder for our listeners who are interviewing for jobs. I know things are hard right now, and even getting an interview is a, a coup, and you're excited for that. If you really want to nail it, my new Get Hired job interview storytelling course is available now for $199, and it includes a small group storytelling practice session. So visit elkinsconsulting.com for more information. Today's guest, Nettie Owens, was introduced to me by my friend Jennifer McGinley. And anytime Jennifer introduces me to somebody, I know it's going to be a quality conversation. And listeners, you will not be disappointed. So, Nettie, thank you so much for joining me on Your Stories Don't Define You, How You Tell Them will. It's great to be here, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I know that this is going to be fun because even in the first 10 minutes of our conversation as we kind of went over the housekeeping stuff, um, we connected in a way that felt just very authentic and relevant. So, um, let's just dive right in. You know from listening to a few of the other episodes that the first thing I'm going to do is ask you to tell us something about yourself that most people don't know about you.
1: So I I was thinking about this because you put something that's not on LinkedIn or social media or any other place. By goodness gracious, I've shared an awful lot <laughs> yeah. online. So um, coming up with the thing that people don't know about me, well, maybe there's some early stories that people have forgotten about me. Um, but I decided instead to share what I wanted to be when I grew up, because that's definitely not listed on social media. and um and so, early on when I was little, I wanted to be a teacher. But as I, you know matured, came into high school and college, I was hoping that one day I would be President of the United States. Wow.
0: Did you ever do one of those school things where they say most likely to?
1: Yeah, President of the United States did not come up. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little surprised because often that is what comes up when and that is like, oh, yes, that is what I want. <laughs> yeah. I didn't get I was that either. Thinking, <laughs> I was thinking you were going to ask me if I took those career assessments and then it came, it actually reinforced the teacher or psychologist was the other thing, but still President of the United States didn't come up. So that was just... Huh. Not on the list for for the assessments, but definitely it was in my mind. Well, I don't know. Sometimes those
0: assessments, especially in younger ages, don't really do us justice for who we are to come. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think about the the story that I read. Oh gosh, must be a year ago about how the hero of the story doesn't know they're the hero at the beginning of the story, right? And even at the end of the story, sometimes they don't see themselves that way mm-hmm. as the hero. And then you think about the characters that go alongside the hero of a story, where some of them know there's greatness in that person, but they don't know what it's gonna look like. Mm-hmm. And then the others that don't see it at all. I mean, and it's not till you look back
1: that you're like, oh yeah, he always had it in him. Right. Right. Yeah. It's so definitely a 2020 hindsight kind of a thing where you realize the connections and the opportunities and and such. Uh, Even still, even saying, you know, the assessment did say teacher and psychologist. And there's so much of what I do now that I feel falls squarely in Mm -hmm. those categories. So it doesn't surprise me that at that time that came up as, you know, something I would be good at. Right.
0: And and now I have kind of two follow-ups with that. This leads us right into what you do, because I love to ask, um, I'm going to ask you to tell me and our listeners what you do without telling us what you do by sharing a story about a recent experience with a client or at work.
1: Yes. All right. So um, recently I worked with somebody who um, received a message in their inbox of a new connection um, that... um, that is very interested in at least fostering a relationship, if not working with that person, and um, and they were in the right aligned uh, job, and you know to to make that connection, things like like they were just the right person to reach out and say, hey, I'm really interested in what I'm seeing on your social media. And as I share that story, I realized that you might be a little misled about what I do. But it's all kind of part and parcel. So I'm going to drop it there. Well, oh, it'll come back. together. Yeah. So you you saw them, they forwarded it to you and said, how do I respond? No, they forwarded it to me and were just very excited. They're like, oh my gosh, look at this. You know, I just, I got this new connection and that connection is spot on with who I'd like to connect with. and um, And I can't yeah. wait to foster a relationship with them. So they were sharing that excitement, mm-hmm,
0: exactly. That's awesome. So they're they're basically saying you helped me get to this point, and look at look what just happened. Look what just transpired. Mm-hmm. Yep, I love that, and that just reminds me of um, I I just recently hosted the sixth no longer virtual event, and at the end of the day, one of the new people said, if this was at five thirty at night. And it had been a huge full day from eight in the morning at breakfast, sessions, a field trip, like it was a really full day. So 5.30, we finally broke for dinner. And he said, I never stay at a conference past 3.30 in the afternoon. I'm always done by then. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I know it was a really busy full day. And he goes, no, no, no. It's a compliment. I'm not complaining. it was amazing. (laughs) I remember this, that sense of accomplishment at hearing this review from somebody who was brand new to the the event and the community that, was, that had been collected over the years. So I, that is the best feeling. I'm so glad that you got to receive that comment. That means that you're on the right track.
1: Yes. And I, I'm celebrating with you, your comment, because I know having hosted events myself, um, how significant it is when an attendee is excited about what you're doing and receives from you know, from the experience that you're creating, the container that you've created um, and has their own transformation because of what you've pulled together. So well, you and I, we do the same thing in that
0: we create an environment so that others can succeed. That's true. Yes. <laughs> we're nurturing. <laughs> we're nurturing what they already have mm-hmm. in order for them to be able to see it. So now, what is it that you were doing with this client let's um actually you know do the big reveal what were you doing with this client that they sent you this message
1: absolutely so for this particular client i work in a fractional COO role which means that i help all of the business survive and thrive and grow including the marketing messaging making sure that's all in place so that they can step fully into their ceo role and do what they need to do best, which is connect with um, amazing people and build relationships, um, which are going to to grow and expand the business. And that's what I do in a very variety of forms for for everyone uh, that I work with. I work with business owners, CEOs, and founders to help them step into their CEO role and really embrace that and um, and make sure that they're doing something every day um, in that role, which sounds like well, that's their job, of course. But as you know, as the business owner founder, you know you often are re- wearing all of the hats. And when it comes time to move into this role of being the leader of your company, and you have other people around you, or you're about to, um, it can be hard to stay in your lane. It can be hard to know exactly what to do. And so that's where I come in to help support that uh, that growth for the leader. Of- To transition into that role. I love that. And all kinds of sparks are
0: flying in my head, all kinds of sparks. And partly because I know as a solopreneur that um, as soon as I started delegating some of my tasks, either to contractors, or I did hire a part-time assistant to do my podcast show notes, and she's wonderful. She's doing a great job. I remember when I worked with a business coach and she said, write down all the tasks you're doing every day, figure out which ones you can delegate. And um, I remember when I finally hired a bookkeeper, I was like pulling out my hair, trying to figure out what I was supposed to be doing as an S corp as in my bookkeeping. And I have an MBA. Like I kept telling myself, I should be able to do this, right? It shouldn't be that hard. But doing daily accounting and business accounting is really different from what you learn at, in an MBA program. It's true. And I had these shoulds in my head about I should be able to do this. And I've been trying to remove the word should from my vocabulary, whether it's geared toward me or to somebody else. But I remember as soon as I hired a bookkeeper, it was not cheap, but I we got set up. I paid cash up front for her to set up my QuickBooks well and to help me organize all the documents documentation I needed for payroll and within I don't know 2 or 3 months of hiring this bookkeeper and her company my income more than increase increased more than enough to cover that cost well mm-hmm. more like I was able to give myself a raise right because I had delegated that so what you're saying what I'm hearing you say is that you help that person you guide them to be able to let go and delegate some of what they need to do so that they can actually run their business
1: true so definitely delegation is part of it but understanding all the facets of their role as ceo so some of it is managing the team that you know that runs that does the daily operations of the implementation of the of the business Um, but there are other aspects too like making sure that they are seeing the the future of the company, that they're visioning the future of the company, that they're strategically planning their next steps, that they're not just stuck in the weeds of the day-to-day operations. So it, it can be delegation, but it can be some of these other aspects and there's more to it. And then one thing that I find is probably one of the most challenging things, like all of these other things, I feel like you can read somewhere in a business book, um, you know, on what you're supposed to do as the business owner, leader, founder. Um, And certainly there's aspects of it that are taught in an MBA program, even though most MBA programs aren't really geared towards the small business entrepreneur. But the one thing that nobody talks about as the important role of the CEO is for the CEO to always be pursuing self-mastery, which Mm -hmm. means that the CEO's job, aside from all these other things, is also to become a better person. And that means a better person in, you know, in their profession, but also in their relationships and in their well-being. And if we prioritize this and we include it in the job description, it means that if the CEO is working long hours or not eating well or not sleeping, you know, or not exercising, then they're actually not fulfilling their job description because what happens then is the leader of the company, the one with all the vision and the connections and all of that suddenly is inoperable, is not available, is not uh, leading anymore. And um, that's a huge detriment to a company that you're the founder of. Wow, that's huge
0: And, and so true. I mean, amazing when you think about you start a business not because you want to give yourself a new job you start a business because you have a vision and you have a, a life that you want to live outside of work and because you're inspired by something. And if you're not taking care of yourself and if you're not growing as a human, you're probably gonna get bored. The the other thing that popped into my head was um these family businesses where they're trying to transition from a, a parent to their their kid, um, their adult grown person who can can take over but they're having a hard time letting go I'm sure that a lot of um, a lot of companies would benefit with your expertise
1: about that there definitely is a different approach right when you're talking about a family business because what I've seen mm-hmm. is that oftentimes there's a lot of institutional knowledge um, within the family and um, there's conversations that might happen over the dinner table versus at, in a recorded meeting. And so you have this effort not only to um, to to make a normal kind of transition, but you're also pulling out all of that institutional knowledge and trying to codify it in a way that hasn't necessarily been the norm up to that point. And of course, you're dealing with a relationship, right? Like that's, right hey, adds another layer. You've got people that you sort of can't fire. I mean, one of the things that I learned right. when I was first starting my company was never hire anyone you can't fire. Well, when you're hiring your family members, it can get a little tricky when it comes time to saying, well, I don't think it's working out or, hey, mom and dad, it's time for you to step down in leadership and I'm going to take over. I mean, is that a coup or is it a natural transition in and how does that work out at you know, the next family function?
0: Well, and that's why it came to mind so quickly when you were talking about, um, well, in in a different word, but basically mindfulness of a CEO or Mm -hmm. whoever's leading your organization, whatever their title is, having that self-mastery is going to be critical, especially critical if you're within that family dynamic and you want to, you care deeply for and want to keep those relationships strong and undamaged mm-hmm. right so self mastery is going to be critical for, for all of those involved, not just the the founder passing things along to right. their
1: their kid wow there there's yeah, a mind- you've a lot of work in front of you <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's' it. they keep me busy uh, I really like this idea of self mastery over um, uh Oh goodness! I just lost the word um, self care. Oh. I think self care has a different tone and feel to it, even though we might actually be describing some of the same things. When I see self care, it's been used in such a way these days that it elicits like massages and bathtubs, and that's great. But what we're talking about is sort of this full scope of your of your wellness, your well-being, your relationships, and and your professional development, the whole package. and mm-hmm. And how can you be that best version of yourself um and bring that to the role that you have in your company?
0: right. Having some sense of your own emotions and being self-reflective enough to know where you're getting in your own way. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> more it just like surfing that in. And then hopefully, the listeners, too are are taking a minute to to let that sink in.
0: Well, I think a lot about self-reflection and um, where it's healthy and where it gets in our way when it's a, an internal dialogue that's damaging versus uh, an understanding how we're being perceived and making sure we're in alignment with how we want to be perceived. Because I see a lot of disconnect in in people, particularly the leaders that I've worked with as an employee in the past before I was self-employed, where they really didn't know. There was like this huge disconnect between how they thought their employees thought of them and what their employees really thought of them. Mm -hmm. And um, my friend Heather Younger is amazing uh, consultant and keynote speaker on topics of caring leadership. And one of the things that I said to her was uh, she was putting together the title and we were brainstorming the title for her third book, which turned out to The Art of Active Listening, and fantastic, like just so much great information in there. And when she we were brainstorming titles, she would put out these titles that were what I consider to be kind of touchy-feely. And I said, you're never going to attract the people who need to read this with a title like that. You need it to be more businesslike. And she said, well, my publisher, who has decades of experience in this, said... You have to write for your audience, the audience you have now. Mm. Those are the people, and and maybe they are the early adopters. Maybe they are the people who don't really need to hear the messages, but they're hearing the messages because they believe in personal growth and and finding these things in themselves and being mm-hmm. the best leaders they can be. And her publisher said, that's that's who you're writing for. And it was so heartbreaking to me because the people who really need to read it are the ones who don't. So, uh, and they don't see themselves in it. I've never heard a micromanager say, oh yeah, I'm kind of a micromanager and is doing anything about it, right? Like they they don't know how to change or they think that they can't change. So when you are working with that kind of skeptic, Mm -hmm. how do you, what's your approach? And I just had a similar conversation with Wendy Ryan, who does um, leadership development work. And Learn, Lead, Lift is her book, mm-hmm. fantastic book. Um, we were talking about the skeptics when it comes to those messages, but particularly messages about self-reflection and the strengths finder assessment, the kinds of assessments mm-hmm. that you mentioned early in our conversation.
1: Right. So what is your approach to that? So I'm actually going to kind of go back around a little bit. We talked about uh, the hero's journey and earlier in this conversation, um, and the and the reluctant hero. Actually, I'm going to infuse reluctant hero which, because you said the hero doesn't always know that they're on the journey or that they're you know that they're deemed, deemed for greatness until the end, and maybe even then they're they're not quite sure. So I think to answer your question about my approach with skeptics, it, it's similar. The leader doesn't always realize the influence that they have. They don't realize that. Even, even if they're sitting there owning a company or sitting with the title that says CEO, they don't always realize what that means and what weight it carries, that they are the hero of the story and that they are required to go through the trials and tribulations that are, that are part of the hero's journey and face the dragons, both physical and emotional, and, and that their job is to take this learning and bring it back to the village or back to the employees um, and guide them. So helping them understand and see themselves in their role is is kind of the cornerstone of then helping them know what they need to do in order to be in that role and, uh, and understand that nothing of what's happening is happening to them, but it's happening for them as part of this growth journey, as part of their business's growth journey. Um, and I and feel like that's the, that's the starting off point is just really helping them identify their identity in this situation. And then that leads to the rest of, of whatever work we're going to do together. Oh, I love that approach. Just starting with,
0: this is your role and, and how do you want to show up? It's basically, wow, that's terrific. I love that concept. I love that you brought that back to that journey and the beginning of the conversation.
1: It's we actually happy. have a part in, in the things that I, that I offer. Just, just this January, we started offering a segment of the programming that's specifically called Heroic CEO for this reason. And, and part of what we do at the very beginning is we write out their hero's journey to, mm-hmm. And so I would invite if you're listening and you're wondering like what does that look like? How would I do that? Um, go online, Google Hero's Journey, so you can see you know what are all the aspects of it. It's very formulaic, and then and then use each segment as sort of a prompt for yourself. What's the village that I live in? Who are my guides? What challenges might I be facing or might I face? what could I learn from that? And just walk through it and, and write that story out for yourself. You don't have to be the leader of a business for this to be a, a useful exercise. And, um, and you will gain a lot of insight because no matter what, we're all a leader somewhere, whether that's in our household or in our, in our work um, or in the community in some way. Uh-huh. And, and we all play the hero at some point in the journey that we're on. I love that. We do. I,
0: I think so many people dismiss the their their need for um, personal development, professional development, because they think they don't have the title that goes with it, and there is no title that denotes leadership. I mean, I know people when I worked for the city here in Montana. I knew people at the administrative support level that were leaders. Um, because of their care for the community. And they didn't see themselves as leaders. They didn't have the title of leader. And yet they were absolutely leading and supporting the people who needed the support to get their work done. And and without them, our community is at a standstill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you noticed that um, there are other times where it's important to be reminded of somebody else's hero's journey and what role you might play for them. Because I always think about myself as the guide. I Mm -hmm. I rarely think of myself as a hero of a story. I I almost always exclusively think of myself as the guide in somebody else's, a guide in somebody
1: else's story. So for you specifically, and this is for me as well, because I'm, I'm in a similar role, right? I am often the guide in someone else's story. Um, but no matter what we're the we are the hero in our work, in our in the company in the business that we have, uh, we it's us. We're the hero. So at some point you're always the hero. But, you know, you're the hero. It's gonna sound so cliche. You're the hero, you're all in store. You're <laughs> on But butt it that is true. Um, so while I might be this role over here, when I'm like you said, when you were doing your books and things like that, that's that was you being the hero in your work and business. And you know, as again in our household, so I'm a mom of three, and um, and I I can be the hero as a mom, and then my husband has his own role, and he's the hero as dad, right? And it's going to look a little bit different. He's going to battle his own dragons, and then he'll have to bring that back. And same with me. So it might seem like we can all maybe hero in one place, but that's not true. And, and it's not true that we can't have different roles depending on whose story we're part of. So tell me an example of a
0: CEO you worked with, obviously no names. There are, <laughs> you were successful in having them understand their role as the hero of their organization and maybe the impact of that on, on their company and employees.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's always an ongoing and developing thing. I feel like it's often this like very um, elusive, like you're always just sort of grasping at it. And, you know, it's never this case where it's fully formed. I mean, I feel like once we get to that point, then we're done. and We're done, right? right? The various. And Um, I have to interrupt
0: one of the things that I always say when I talk about light bulb moments, is that there are no truly light bulb moments? They're all on a dimmer switch. Yes, and there are, <laughs> you and there are moments when it gets full on bright, um, but then other parts of your life are still on that dimmer switch. So, yeah, certain aspects of your life may become full bright, but not your entire life until right.
1: until you're taking your last breath. As far as I'm concerned, so right. keep going. So I think of it more like. Um like concentric circles like a vortex like you're always moving towards the center and you get closer and closer but you're just never quite done in the middle so there's someone that i'm working with and um what i've noticed over um over these last several years of working with this person is that um the more they step into their role the easier it is for them to make decisions and the easier it is for that to um uh, for their for the people around them to do the work that they need to do, um, and so I think that sometimes there's this sense like, and it goes back to the dimmer switch and the vortex, like, oh, when we get to when we finally accept this, then we won't run into problems anymore. Well, yep. that's, <laughs> never. The, These are people like, that aren't parents. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that that could be true. It almost seems like. The more you accept the role the bigger the dragons get and so you're always just continuing on the path of of self-mastery that's why it's important that in this role you understand that self-mastery is part of it because otherwise you get really frustrated like oh my gosh you know i was having trouble hiring and firing staff before and i figured that out and so i thought the work would be easier but it's not because now i'm noticing that um we have to deal with PR messaging and, you know, making sure that we communicate how we operate in the community. And so then the next, finally, we figured that out. We've got a process around it. And and now our location is in question and we have to deal with real estate issues. Like There's always going to be a continuing path. But one thing I've noticed is that the more you work on this, the easier time you have with decision-making. And if you can make decision-making like your superpower, then you know that no matter what happens, you have the capability to face it and and come up with a plan and move forward. And so that is something that I've seen as far as growth in the people that I work with. The, there are so many
0: ideas popping into my head. And one is is a pretty simple explanation of as you are mastering certain decision-making styles or how you're gonna approach decision-making and you start making them better and better, you are achieving more and more, which means that you are growing. Your business is probably getting bigger because you are not spending all the time on those individual small decisions. You're making bigger decisions and bigger decisions. And that is a great problem to have, especially if you now have the evidence Behind you of the stories of successful decisions and being able to say, okay, I got through that. I
1: can get through the next one. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm a fan of building up wins, you know, small wins. It might be at the beginning, you know, when you're on this journey and that the first thing is just these little tiny wins where, you know, you allow the contractor that you're working with to make a mistake. And that's a little win because that means that you're trusting somebody else with the work, uh, and knowing that they'll be able to remedy whatever the mistake is that they made. Um, And so you build up these little whims over and over, and then then it's easier to make the bigger decisions because you have, like you said, this track record. Something else that I want to bring up here is, um, you know, I've mentioned self-mastery a lot. The more that you are well, the easier the decisions are to make. So from a biological standpoint, a physiological standpoint, we can't make decisions when our decision-making tools, our brains aren't at their optimum. So when you are in this space of, um, of growing your business and, and meeting bigger and bigger dragons, as we talked about, it's going to be more and more important that you're getting rest, eating well, exercising, meditating, building up your relationships those things that keep your body functioning really well are just as important as making sure that you're documenting processes which i think is really fun um and i'm glad somebody likes that <laughs> <laughs> um you know and uh, and meeting with new clients and you know refining your sales process and you know defining your marketing and your brand it's just as important that you're also taking care of yourself because you can't do this without the other part of it, right. without the ability to make those decisions.
0: This is all coming full circle in my brain for so many reasons. And one is that at No Longer Virtual in uh, Chicago, just recently, uh, Melissa Hughes and Megan Miller did a, a session on creating healthy habits or the better habits. And one of the key things is that if your brain is flooded with cortisol and um, all, all of those stress hormones, then guaranteed you're not making the best decisions because yeah. your your prefrontal cortex isn't engaged because your reptile brain your amygdala hijacking is going on because cortisol is flooding it so all of that makes so much sense neurologically what you're saying and I I just don't think enough of us see that and understand it so I'm really glad you're doing what you do it, with the approach that you're doing it
1: well I think it's easy. To say that, okay, well, it's just this one time. Like, oh, I'm I'm just gonna stay up late to finish this this one time because I really have to get it done. And if I don't, well, well these things aren't, aren't gonna happen. Or, you know, I'm I'm just gonna eat this really fast, disgusting meal because I I don't have time to, you know, get another meal that's gonna be better for me. But those just this one times add up over, over time, and we're constantly choosing. Um, you know, the one path over the other, because we don't often think of how important that is to our role and that we're we're trying to perform. We think it's a nice to have, and we we position it over here with bathtubs and massages as self-care, and it's not. It's a necessity. We work so inefficiently when we're run down. Um, when we've gotten less than six hours of sleep, we might as well be operating drunk. That's the research. And and we would never show up to work drunk. Most of us wouldn't show up to work drunk. So the idea, but we don't equate those in our mind. We haven't, we haven't, and society hasn't really put the value in our well-being. And so it's it is bucking the trend to say, you know what, actually it would be better if I ate a really healthy meal, took a nap. And then try to solve this problem or go to bed and work on it in the morning. And you're going to be so much more efficient. And the answers that you'll come up with will be better. Besides the fact that while you're sleeping, your brain is probably figuring out the problem, the solution as it exactly. is. So it's, yes. it's better than you just kind of like pounding on it. Um, but But we don't prioritize that as a culture. We don't prioritize that. Agreed. So to come full circle, um, at the
0: beginning, you talked about your client that was so excited for the connection that was going to be made. Um, Tell me a specific incident where you were like aware, first of all, of your positive impact on somebody, a particular person, and you realized that you were in the pocket of your hero's journey.
1: Um. You said a first, the first <laughs> No no no, no, oh, just a time. Any time. Like like when like, my story like story about some like winding. I don't know. Thank you. sorry
0: about Danny saying, Oh my gosh, this conference was so amazing that I didn't right. want to leave, that
1: I could stay until 5.30, still working my brain. <laughs> so that kind of story. Oh goodness. Okay, so one time. So I also host conferences and um at a recent conference. Um mm. I had somebody say they had never they'd never achieved what we did in the room before at another conference, which was we we work on um creating your strategic plan um, and then we start implementing that plan while we're together. and they had never felt like they belonged. And that was what we had created in that space. And it was so impactful for me because, um the group that was together nobody looked like each other nobody had the same background their economic backgrounds were different their religious backgrounds were different um like this group was was very diverse the the common thread was just that they all owned businesses but that was it their businesses were all extremely diverse and um and to say that um She felt like she belonged in this space. I just felt, felt spoke volumes. And that's, that feels to me like my sweet spot. When I can bring people together in the common thread of, hey, we're all working on growing businesses and they feel like this is where they should be. uh, And, and that's my, that's my, uh, my light bulb moment. That sounds
0: amazing like truly amazing and i i know this because i'm still glowing from my own experience with that and i can feel the the joy that you experienced in that moment when she said i felt like i belonged because that's the goal right i mean is creating an environment where people when they feel that they're going to grow they're going to start start or continue their self mastery journey But they can't do it if they don't feel that sense of compassion and
1: connectedness and support. It's the most important thing. It's the the leading factor that has somebody continue at a workplace or or not is that sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think, unfortunately, that word is kind of being
0: overused. It's being hailed as the answer, just like there's always a buzzword that's being hailed as the answer to all our problems. For a while, it was storytelling. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, please. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a small piece to such a huge puzzle. And you're just focusing on the one thing and that it's not going to be your one answer to everything. And, um, and yet, it is the answer to helping help I think people bring their best selves and their most innovative and creative and happy selves is to make sure they feel like they matter. And Mm -hmm. it's not as hard. It's not a big challenge if you notice, if you care about that. So I love and really appreciate the work you're doing with people that um, have the potential to make huge impacts on their communities, not just for their employees, which could be two to 500 or more, um, but their employees' families and the people that those employees interact with. It could be the barista at the local coffee shop that because they are happier and feel like their work is satisfying, that they are going to treat other people with more kindness. That's just how that
1: works. And their businesses grow. And for just about everybody, their businesses serve others, which means they are they can impact more people and touch more people. So it really is this, you know, compounding effect or ripple effect. I used to give out stones uh, when I would go and do presentations because in the past I was a professional organizer and I would teach people how if you just do a little, it can have, you know, this ripple effect going out. If you just organize a little bit each day, it'll make a difference. But the same is true with anything. If you just do a little, Um, but you do it well, you, you know, you toss your stone in and you're going to have that ripple effect. Um, So really, truly taking care of yourself while it sounds self ish is, is the way is the path to, to helping your employees, to helping your family, to growing your company, to touching more lives. It's, that's the only way. Yeah. Mm.
0: Love it. Love it. Nettie, thank you so much for all of what you shared in this conversation. Um, I'm feeling inspired to continue the work that I do and inspired definitely to follow the work that you're doing. I'd love for our listeners to know more about how to find you, um, what you're working on in terms of the content that you develop now. Um, And for our listeners, these links will be in the show notes associated with this podcast at
1: ElkConsulting.com. So Nettie, share with us. All right. Well, you can always go to my website, saparigroup.com, dot com, and um, and that's going to take you to all sorts of resources, recordings. You know, you can find a link to click and and connect with me if you would like to. I'm happy to happy to connect with you. Uh, but I also wanted to offer your listeners a resource, if that's okay. Absolutely. Okay. So it's super simple. It's um, you you text the word freedom, F R E E D O M to the number four one one three two one, and what you'll receive, what I'll send out to you, is a guide called "How to Succeed in Business for High Achievers," and it is um, kind of a a way that you can do a self assessment um, and go through checklist of items, see where you rank. And then if you want, just reach out to me and we can go over what you found. I'd be happy to talk to you about it.
0: Wow. That is such a generous gift. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. And I know some of my listeners will uh, take advantage of that because that is a great opportunity to, at a minimum, understand a little bit about what you bring to the table and a little bit about where you might be getting in your own way.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: Yep. I love that. Nettie, thank you so much. I so appreciate your time. Listeners, thank you for listening to Your Stories Don't Define You, How You Tell Them Well. And now it's your turn. When you think about your hero's journey and the role you play in other people's hero's journeys, how do you want to be remembered? What are the things that you want people to know about you at the end of the day? And how are your actions and your behaviors aligning with That's what you want people to know about you? you Thanks for listening. Trying. Smile, what's the use of crying? You'll find that life is still worthwhile if you just smile.